Hi, good morning. It's great to better join you from my study at home in Manchester and to bring God's word to us this morning. I was out walking uh, this morning and felt God speak to me for you uh, and uh, it's out of uh, an amazing story, instance in Jesus' lives where the disciples come to him and they ask Jesus to do something for them, which you might think is a good thing. We can come to Jesus and ask him. Uh, James says we, we don't have because we don't ask and it's okay to come. Jesus said you can come and ask your father in heaven. Uh, ask, seek, not all. What do these guys ask him to do? Well, the context is that uh, Jesus has just self-disclosed something amazing. He's just been telling them the kind of death that he's going to die. He's just been explaining to them that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. And in that context, they come to him and uh, they ask something quite crazy. And uh, if you've got a Bible, it's in uh, Mark's Gospel. I'm going to read uh, Mark chapter 10 and uh, read the 35 down to uh, down to 44, 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? Yes, we can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, well, yes, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism that I'm baptised with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's interesting, these guys, James and John, we've met them before. Uh, they're nicknamed the Sons of Thunder in Mark chapter 3. In fact, uh, when Jesus goes to a particular village, they say, and he's not accepted, they say, can't we call the fire down uh, on these uh, villages? And Jesus said, no, that's not uh, what I've come for. And uh, these guys are pretty volatile. Uh, they kind of say the wrong things and uh, they're excitable and passionate. I guess I kind of feel a little bit of an identification uh, with them. And uh, actually, if you look at the chapter before in uh, Mark chapter nine, uh, actually on the road before they've been arguing amongst them as disciples, this is the beautiful insight we get into the character of these guys that Jesus called to be with him, those he wanted. It said they've been arguing about who is the greatest. I'm the great. No, I'm the. I think I'm the greatest. And suddenly these two step forward and uh, ask uh, Jesus uh, if actually they can sit either side of him in his glory. And magnificently, Jesus turns the whole thing on his head, and he talks about servanthood. 
And he said, this is that the world looks for position. The world is looking for someone to lord it over. The world is looking for that, but it's not so with me. And uh, then this incredible verse, it's uh, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, of course, drawing on two magnificent Old Testament themes, uh, the Son of Man. Uh, from Daniel's great vision when I was uh, in Sunday school. I had the privilege of growing up in Sunday school. And uh, when the Son of Man, the Bible often talks about Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. And when Son of God was spoken about, I kind of thought that's Jesus' divinity. Uh, when Son of Man is talked about, I assumed that was about Jesus' humanity. But actually, biblically, the figure of the Son of Man is an incredibly awesome almost divine figure. You get this incredible chapter in Jan Daniel chapter 7, and this is literally where it's referred to. In fact, it was Jesus' favourite way of referring to himself. 84 times in the Gospel, it's re Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man, or refers to himself as the Son of Man. And uh, definitely referring back to Daniel 7, this is what it says in uh, 13 to 14 of Daniel 7. In my vision, there before me, was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And he was given authority and glory and sovereign power. And all nations and people of every language worshipped him. And all dominion and an everlasting dominion. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This great one, this son of man, Jesus said, even this son of man, and Jesus is identifying as that one, the one to whom all nations will eventually come and worship. Even that one has not come to be served, but to serve. And then Jesus refers to the servant. It's the other great figure in the Old Testament in Isaiah, the great servant songs, Isaiah 40 to 55. Jesus talks about the one who comes to serve and to give his life. Well, that's referring to the servant, the uh, Isaiah chapter 53, the great mystery of the one, the servant of the Lord who'd come to suffer, who'd come to die, who'd come to overthrow earthly powers, not with the power and authority that they were thinking of, but with the power and authority of servanthood and laying lives down. Jesus would often talk about himself in those ways. Jesus would say things like this. He would talk about his glorious hour. He would talk about the time of him being lifted up, of him being exalted. I guess that's what the disciples are referring to. When, when you come to your hour, when you come to your glory, when you're exalted, we want to be left and right. Well, actually, biblically, when Jesus is talking about his glorious hour, when Jesus is talking about the one being lifted up, it's echoing uh, this servant, Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised up. He will be lifted up and exalted high. Jesus echoes that, John 12, verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. John 3, 14 
to 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. John 12, verse 32 to 34. When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. You see, when Jesus talks about his glorification, when Jesus talks about his being lifted up, he's talking about the cross. He's talking about going and dying for us. This is Jesus in his glory, King of heaven, dying for us. There was one to his left. There was one to his right when he was dying. They didn't know what they were asking for. This Jesus in his glory dying for us. Now, I just want to look at our responses, some of our responses to Jesus being this great servant king. Jesus being this great one who gives his life for us. First one is this. Jesus willingly gave up all his rights and privileges. We get an amazing snapshot into that. We get an amazing insight into it. I think it's John 13 where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was to return to God, he took up the towel and washed their feet, knowing who he was. You see, servanthood doesn't come out of a sense of being lowly and squashed and pushed down, a sense of, well, I'm really nothing. No, servanthood, Jesus' servanthood, comes out of knowing who he is. He knew all power, all authority. He knew his position, but his posture is servanthood. Because of who he is, because of his sonship, because of his power and authority, because he knows where he's come from and know where he's going to, he serves out of that. See, he laid aside all his rights, all his privileges. He could have demanded respect, honour and glory, but he comes to serve. We live in a day when people want to insist in their rights. It's my right. Although saying that, even over the last few months, we've heard quite a bit about some of us who are more privileged than others needing to lay aside those rights. Dear friends, we need to lay aside our rights. We need to lay aside our privileges, knowing who we are, knowing that we're in Christ, knowing that we're royalty, knowing that we're sons and daughters of the King. We lay aside rights in order to serve others. Secondly, Jesus saw that his first call was to serve God. So it's not just first to serve one another, although that's important, we'll come to that in a moment. But his first call was to serve God. His first call was to give his life in serving of his Father in heaven. Jesus said this in John 6, I've not come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. John 4, my food, that which energises me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Dear friends, our first call is to serve the Lord. Our first call is to him, to minister to the Lord. Came across this great illustration. I, I've read it before actually by a, 
a Bible teacher that I appreciate from the States, uh, uh, a guy who uh, goes by the unenviable name of Charles Swindle. I'm not sure that's a great name for a, a Bible pastor teacher, but uh, in his book, um, Improving Your Serve, all about servanthood, he gives this kind of modern day parable, this uh, um, modern day retelling of the pearl of great price. And I just want to share it with you. Let me read it to you. This is a, a pearl merchant, someone who loves pearls, loves these beautiful pearls. And he's come across this one pearl that he thinks, if I own this one, if I, if I could have this one, my life would be complete. I want this pearl. How much is it? Well, says the seller. It's very expensive. Yeah, yeah, but how much? Well, it's a large amount of money. Well, do you think I could buy it? Oh, of course, everyone can buy it. But didn't you say it was very expensive? Yes, I did. Well, how much is it? Everything you have, sir, the seller exclaims. We make up our minds. All right, we'll buy it. Well, what do you have? Let's write it down. Bear in mind, this is American. I have $10,000 in the bank. Good, $10,000. What else? Well, that's all. That's all I have. Well, I might have a few dollars here in my pocket. Well, how much? I start digging. Well, 30, 40, 60, 80, 120 dollars. Good. What else do you have? Well, that's nothing. That's all I have. Where do you live? Well, in my house. The house, too, becomes mine. You mean I'll have to live in my caravan? You have a caravan. That too becomes mine. But then I'll have to sleep in my car. You have a car. Well, yes, two of them. Both become mine. Anything else? Well, you already have my money, my house, my caravan, my cars. What more do you want? Are you alone in this world? Well, no, I have a wife and two children. <laughs> oh, yes. Your wife and their children too become mine. Uh, but, but I have nothing left now. I'm all alone in this world. And then suddenly the seller exclaims, oh, oh, I almost forgot. You too. Everything becomes mine. Wife, children, house, money, cars and you too. Now listen, I will allow you to use all these things for the time being. But don't forget that they are mine, even as you are mine. And whenever I have any need of them, you must give them up because I am now the owner. Dear friends, he's the owner. He's the master. The Bible says we've been purchased. We've been redeemed. In fact, the word is ransomed. It's the word that Jesus uses here. The son of man gave his life as a ransom for many. It's a price that was on our heads and it's a price that's been paid. It's a price of his own precious blood. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19. It's not with perishable things like silver, gold, money that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and defect. Dear friends, we're his. He's paid the price. He's the master. He's the Lord. See, that's what the early church used to say. Jesus is Lord. It meant Caesar wasn't. It meant you aren't. He is Lord. Now, it's not our identity. Our identity is sons and daughters. Our identity 
is knowing a father in heaven who loves us. But he's also the sovereign. He's also the Lord. He's also the one that's paid the price for your life and for my life. So Jesus gave up his rights and his privileges. Jesus saw that his first call was to serve God. And lastly, Jesus served those around him. Now, as Christians, we sometimes jump to that one when we talk about servanthood. But if we understand that he's the king, if we understand that Jesus is the one who gave his life and we're to follow him, we're to model our lifestyle on him, then that must mean that there's an overflow of serving to others. In fact, when we serve others, when we go out of our way to display love and mercy and kindness and grace and mercy, family, friends, neighbours, even in this coronavirus that's locking us down and imprisoning us, but actually acts of kindness and mercy and love. As we serve one another, we're identifying with Jesus. We're identifying with the suffering servant. We're identifying with his cross. We're identifying with the cruciform lifestyle. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The Christian life is one of following the example of Jesus, to give your life to serve others out of a position of sonship, knowing who you are in him, knowing his grace and mercy has freely come to you, knowing that he's the Lord, that he's the master, that he's the king, giving your life in service to others. Jesus said, actually, if a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, unless it does that, it remains alone. But if it does, fall into the ground and dies. If the principle of servanthood and sacrifice and giving happens, then a miracle happens. This seed multiplies, it germinates, it comes up and there's much fruitfulness. Dear friends, as we give our lives to one another, as we give our lives to our community, as we give our lives to those around us in our towns and cities and villages and Jesus is going to be greatly glorified. There's going to be much fruit in this life. There's going to be much witnessing to him. See, it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And as we live lives that are Christ-like, Christ-serving, it will cause people to ask questions. It will cause people to wonder. It will cause them to ask the right questions. It will cause them to, for their eyes to be open to see the magnificence of Christ displayed in our lives. Also, let me end with this. There'll also be an eternal dimension to this. I think sometimes we just think about this life. We don't realise that that which we're doing in this life will have an eternal consequence. I read this. I'm a great fan of N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, and uh, reading one of his books at the moment, and uh, came across this uh, remarkable quote, really, about giving our lives, about that which we are doing now having eternal consequences. And just as we finish this message today, I want you to see that what you're doing is of a witness to Christ. It will bear much fruit and it'll have eternal consequences. He says this, God's recreation of his wonderful world has begun with the resurrection of Jesus 
and continues mysteriously as his people live in the risen Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. This means that what we do in Christ and by the power of his spirit in this present world is not wasted. Painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbour as yourself. All these things will last into God's future. Dear friends, we're called to follow Jesus. We're called to be those who, like him, don't come to be served, but come to serve. And to follow his example by giving our lives to others, which will be a witness to the risen Lord Jesus. God bless you.